For those of you who don't know, my name is Ryan Miller. Um, I'm the family pastor here at One Church. And um, last week I was here. Chris was on vacation. Chris should be back, but um, he... He wanted. To, he didn't think he was going to get in until late last night, so um, he'll be back next week. So for those of you who are tired of looking at my ugly mug, um, you only have to endure it for one more week, um, and then uh, I'll be back doing uh, doing my thing with the little kids and the big kids. Um, you know, I was sitting back there and I was worshiping, and I was just, you know, <laughs> we say stuff like "Glory to God" and "How great is our God," and you know, we say all that stuff, but. Like, in practicality, is that really how you view God? Like, is that really what you think when you see and when you when people talk about God? Or is this something that, you know, you do to make yourself feel better? And I don't want to, you know, get all deep. I don't want to make you feel bad. I, I, just, I just want you to ask yourself that question. Uh, because when God is safe, when we have this safe view of God and who he is, uh, a lot of times we just show up to church just to say we did, just so that we can, you know, feel better. When we have a safe view of God, we show up and it's really easy for us to get negative because we don't see some of the great and awesome things that God is doing here. God is doing so many awesome things at one church, but sometimes those things aren't in these massive you know, blow you out of the water. We've got 7,000 people here one day and we don't know what to do type of thing. Sometimes it's in the small things that you find the beauty of God and you find the beauty of what he's doing. You know, we've got some, uh, we've got some preschoolers. We've got a class. There's about 14 or 15 of them. Um, and they, each month they learn a new Bible verse. And then at the end of the month, they say their verse. And if they get it right, they get some candy. And, you know, I didn't know this, and they were telling me about it, and I just was overwhelmed. And the more I've thought about it, the more overwhelmed I've become. But last month, they learned, uh, I can do all things through Christ. And we had 15 kids in this class, and 14 out of 15 kids in this class learned their Bible verse, I can do all things through Christ. Of those 14, one had a speech impediment. So we got 14 kids that now know the verse, I can do all things through Christ. And some of you are like, that's not a big deal. They're three and four. I just, you know, let me, let me toss that back out there for you. They're not 15. They're three and four-year-olds who now know they can do all things through Christ. Now, they may not understand practically how that works because, you know, their biggest deal is that their sippy cup's empty. But as they get older, what we do in family ministry is we take these kids through steps so that we're not just creating like some kids that are, are just walking out of church and then coming back and you know they just we're not creating this revolving cycle we're trying to take them through steps so by the time they leave high school we're creating fully devoted followers of christ we're creating the next generation of christ followers the next generation of christian leaders that will impact our community 15 kids learned i can do all things through christ 14 excuse me you know, we have uh, three virtues that we teach our kids in one-way street week after week after week after week. Three things week after week after week. And it's cool because sometimes uh, I listen when, when kids get in trouble in the hallway to see how their parents react. Um, you know, just to learn new things because I just, I just beat my kids when, when they don't do what I want them to do. Um, you know, kick, things like that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I like to watch how other people will handle 
their kids. And a lot of times I'll hear a mom or a dad saying, you need to make the wise choice. We have three things we want our kids to know in that environment. You need to make the wise choice. You can trust God no matter what. And you should treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, it'll seem like very basic attributes, but think about how different your life might be if, the, if at the age before you left fifth grade, you had a huge handle on those things. So what we're doing is not only getting these kids involved, but now we're getting parents involved. And that's, listen, don't hear me say that this is me because it's got nothing to do with me. I have a team of volunteers that are absolutely 100% amazing. They're to thank for this, okay? I'm just a big guy who talks a lot, okay? They are the heroes here. The people that get here and they set up this stuff, they are the heroes of doing, of what we do. And now we're not only getting our kids to understand these principles, but now their moms and their dads are starting to reinforce. So we got us working together with families so that we can make a bigger impact on kids and then they can make a bigger impact on their community for Jesus. That's huge. But sometimes when we get going and we get moving and we want to see these big, mighty works of God's, we, we love to see the magic tricks that God has for us. Sometimes when we don't see those in big fashion, we're not near enough impressed. Not near enough impressed. You know, I've been in church work for like six years or something. Seems like a lifetime. And one of the constant things that I always notice is that people have this very safe view of God. They have a very safe understanding of who he is. They understand that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them. And if they accept Jesus, they'll go to heaven. But they don't understand that God calls us to walk in a, walk a path and walk with him. They don't understand that sometimes there's going to be hurt and there's going to be pain and that things are going to get tough and life is going to be hard. And that, but through it all, you know that God still loves you and that's got to be enough. God's grace has got to be enough. We have this safe view of God that we show up to church, we sit in rows and we leave. And when God is safe, we show up to church hoping God will do something. When God is safe, we don't think that he can help us through our problems. When God is safe, we hold on to our burdens and our hurts and the stresses of life and we keep them just close like this because we want to prove that we're big enough and we're strong enough to take on the things that we weren't meant to carry. When God is safe, we look at what God is doing in those children's environments and we look at that as babysitting. When God is safe... We come in here and we act like we live one way and then we go out there and we treat our family like they don't matter. We treat our spouse and our children as though they're unimportant. But we'll show up to church and we'll put our hands high and we'll say, hey, we love you, Jesus. But when God is safe, that doesn't carry outside these walls. When God is safe, we put him in a box. Some of us have nice little tiny cozy boxes we bring out. We treat God like the Lord of the predicament. God of the problem. Some of us have a little bit bigger box. And that time, you know, we'll come to God. You know, we come to church and we call on God when we need his help and when we're hurting. Some of us have this great big box. Might take up half the stage. We have, you know, God in there and then everything else, our family out here. Some of us have a really big box, and they're the four walls of this room. And in here, God is big, and in here, God is great. In here, God loves us, and in here, Jesus loves everybody. 
But outside there, it's a different story. We have a very safe view of who God is. And as long as you carry that around, as long as you carry around that understanding that God is this big kid sitting on a playground begging you to come play with him, you'll have a lot of trouble understanding the depth and the greatness of his love and mercy in your life. You know, I don't know how often they're going to let me on stage. This could be the last time. But you'll, under, you'll see about myself, you'll see about me, excuse me, that I'm very passionate about people understanding the grace and the mercy that God has for them. Because when you start to understand that, you can't any longer view God as safe. You can't any longer treat God as the Lord of our predicament, the answer to our problem. When God is, when you start to understand how much he loves you and how much grace he's given you, you start to view God for this great loving being and you start to understand that everything about him is beautiful and everything about you necessarily isn't. And the good that you have in you comes from God. Good that's in you isn't from any other place but God. He gave you that. He made you that way. In your mother's womb, he wove you together piece by piece, and he made you how you are. So the good that you have comes from God, whether you choose to recognize it or not. And when you start to understand that every part of your life is about bringing glory to God, God's no longer safe. And we have a problem with that. It's hard for us. Because when God starts to become who he is, And when we let God be who he is, we let God have our hurts and our pains and our stress. And we let God just love on us. We let God make us into who he wants us to be. We start understanding that God's not taking us through trials because he doesn't love us or because he's taking his love away from us, but that he's taking us through trials and hard times and things that aren't easy so that he can make us more like him. When we start to understand that this world has very little to do with you and a whole lot to do with him. We cannot walk around unchanged. This isn't to beat you up. I don't want anybody walking out of here saying, man, he just yelled at us for a long time. I'm not. That's not what I'm up here to do. I'm up here to empower you, to help you understand that you can walk in freedom in Christ. That's our big idea. When God is safe, we can experience freedom. When God is safe, we can experience freedom. In Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy And without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing himself through Jesus Christ. Christ, excuse me. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So when we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I don't know how you read that, (laughs) and it doesn't do something to you. 
I don't know how you read that God chose you in advance. He chose in advance that he was going to adopt you. He chose in advance he was going to love you. He chose in advance, even though he knew what you were going to do. And we talked about this just a little bit last week, so I don't want to get overly redundant. But I do want you to understand this point. He chose before he created the world that He to create you. He could have avoided it all. He could have just said, no thanks, I'm out. This is going to be way too complicated, way too much pain. He knew before he created you that he was going to have to send his son to fill the gap to intercede so that we could be connected with God once again. He knew before he created you the ways you were going to hurt people, the ways you were going to hurt yourself, the ways you were going to hurt the kingdom and the cause of the cross, the way that you were going to treat your family, the way that you're going to treat the people around you, the way that you're going to say you love Jesus but you don't necessarily love his children. He knew you were going to do all of that and he still created you. Now that in itself is intense, but the very next statement says, and it gave him great pleasure. The God that came out of nowhere and just decided that he was going to create everything created you and you give him great pleasure. Now, how we hear that and still walk around unchanged is is really hard for me. He loves you so much that you give the God of the universe great pleasure. He thinks so highly of you that you give him great pleasure. He knew before he created me all the ways I was going to disgrace him, all the ways I was going to hurt people, the ways I would hurt my family, the people around me, the way I would say I love Jesus and then disgrace what he stands for. He knew I would do every bit of that, but Ephesians says he still takes great pleasure in Ryan. He still takes great pleasure in you. He thinks that you're beautiful. He knows what he created you to be, and he wants you to walk into that so that you can be free in Jesus. When we don't view God as safe, we start to be able to experience the freedom that he has for us. You know, as Christians, we open this book, and we read it, and we can get confused, right? I mean, it doesn't always, doesn't always track up here. You know, I got a GED. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me a lot. And what we want is people to hop on stage, pose a problem, pose a solution, put some witty one-liners out there, tell us a funny story, pray for us, and send us on our way. That's what we want. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't hear me say that it's bad for people to get up here, give you a problem, tell you how to be, get past it, pose the solution, and, and then we go on. That's what you got to do. But there's times in life where actually you just don't know how to do that. How do you tell somebody who's experienced great loss, a problem, and a solution? How do you tell somebody who's been abused emotionally and physically by the people closest to them that there's a problem and here's the solution? How do we tell people that have gone through just pain after pain after pain? They've been hurt. They've been trampled on. They have been through every pain that this world offers. How do we look at them and say, here's the problem and here's your solution? You just can't all the time. Sometimes it's a little vague. 
Sometimes you don't understand. Sometimes at the end of the day, you know that you just have to look at God and say, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why this is happening, but I know that you love me. I know that you take great pleasure in me. And I know that even though your goodness is sometimes different from my goodness, you are still always good. It's not always easy to pose a problem, pose a solution, and move on. There's some of you in here who have experienced so much hurt and so much pain in your life that there's no amount of steps that are going to bring you to where you need to be. There just isn't. There's no amount of words that I'm going to say that are going to make you walk out of here and feel empowered because you have been beaten up and crushed and hurt time and time and time again. And because we view God the way we view people, even though we say we love Jesus, we have this understanding that he will eventually leave us too. So how people end up making mass exodus from the church is they get into a place where God is taking them through something or they are walking through a path that is just not easy. They have a lot, of, they have a lot on them. They're hurting. People have been hurtful to them. They have abused them. They have just done things. They have just had pain after pain after pain. And we get to this point, and because we don't understand that God isn't safe, but he is good, we get mad at God and we leave. And that's not necessarily your fault. At some point, somebody forgot to tell you that a relationship with God is not a pretty walk through a pretty park. But it's a treacherous climb up a hard mountain. And sometimes you don't ever feel like you're going to stop climbing. You just got to keep pushing and keep clawing and keep going. There's a video I want you guys to watch. Before I start it, let me just give you a little disclaimer. This is top three cheesiest movies of all time. Um, Some of you guys are going to get mad at me because this is like the Christian anthem, but it's um, Facing the Giants. And first time I saw this movie, I was really, you know, overtaken. Um, And then they told me it wasn't a true story and I got mad. So... Um, uh, I, I mean, not that I'm not saying it's a good story. I'm just saying I went into it thinking, oh, this all really happened. Oh, my God. And then they were like, no, no, they just made it up. So um, I want you to check out this scene, though, because this scene does get me a lot, a lot. I'm going to tell you why. Um, they're doing something called the death crawl. Got to, it's a football thing. You got to take a human, put him on your body, and uh, you'll see how it goes. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. 
Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left, a little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. That's a good start. A little bit left, a little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. A bad strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength. But don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. burn. It's so hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! No, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! No, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your heart! You can! You can! Five more, five more, come on, Brock, come on, don't quit, don't quit, come on, Brock, two more, one more. Oh. Let's go get some fifty. Let's go get some fifty. I'll have any more. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Coach is intense, eh? I heard a guy one time say that um, <laughs> that when we're crawling and when life is tough, that God yells at us like that to keep going. And uh, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. <laughs> but here's what I do agree with. With everything in my body, that every one of us have been through those times where it's just so tough and it's just so hard that you don't think you got any more. You think you got nothing left. You can't negotiate with any part of you to keep going. You just want to fall flat on your stomach and be done. 
You just want to call it a day. Uncle, I'm out. I quit. I can't do this anymore. It's just too much. And at that point, when you get there, I do think that grace should ring that loudly in your ears. You should hear God saying, I take great pleasure in you. I think that you're beautiful. I love you. I created you, and I knew before I created you, you were going to go through this. And I knew exactly then how I was going to love you through it, and how I was going to bring you through it. I knew then that you were going to be weak, but that you would let me show off, and you would finish the race. Paul said, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished well. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished well. We get beat down and we get tired and we get to this point where we're holding on to our hurts and our pains and our past so hard because we don't want to let them go because at that point we feel insignificant. We feel like we can't beat them ourselves. We feel like we can't move past them. We can't let God move past them. We have to do it ourselves. We feel that way. Some of us, and some of you will be honest, you've been so hurt and you've had so much pain and you've been holding on to it for so long. You won't let go of it simply because you don't know what it would feel like to be without it. You refuse to let go of your hurt and your pain because you don't know how you're going to feel when it's gone. When God allows you to work through it and to get through it. Even though it may be fingernail by fingernail, inch by inch, moment by moment, you're going to get there. And if you focus on grace and the love of God and the fact that he does take great pleasure in you. And the fact that he does love you that much that he told his son to hang on a tree. And he knew before he created you that you alone would be enough of a reason for him to get on that tree if that doesn't say to you that you are loved and that you are set apart by the blood of god then nothing that anybody can say will there is freedom when you stop viewing god as safe and pretty and cute he is beautiful but sometimes life is not and when we get to that point when we just don't feel like we have any more. We have to be blinded by the love of God. We have to be blinded by grace. We have to keep pushing forward. We have to keep scratching and we have to keep clawing. I would love nothing more than to tell you that it's all good and that you will never have any problems. There's just only one just little tiny small problem with that. And it's the Bible. Doesn't tell us that. Moses would probably strenuously disagree. Paul would probably have something to say. There's a whole, like, 15 verses where he just describes what's happened to him. Tortured, flogged, jailed, hurt, beaten, spit upon, but saved by God, saved by the blood of Jesus, and moving forward in a new way of life. When God is safe... And you keep crawling and you keep inching and you keep trying to get to the other side. And you may, you may get there, but then you come through a survivor. But when you let God and his grace call out to you and you let him carry that load with you, you don't come out on the other side a survivor. You come out on the other side victorious in Jesus Christ. Because of his grace and because of his love, you are victorious by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to be a survivor. You don't have to have a survivor complex. You can be victorious in God. Let me read you guys something. 
Do you really want to know the one whose name you did not invent and impose? The one who names himself? The one who will not grant you every little wish just because it's you wishing it? The one who will not conform to your image, but who has made you in his and is now forming you? Sometimes by hammer blows, grapplings, hip wrenchings, he is now forming you in the image of Christ. The one who says, you must follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Do you want to know that one? Do you want to know his name? Or are you content simply with your own vague names for him? The God of my understanding, the God who helps me be true to myself, the God who is safe. Let me explain something to you. I'm wrapping up. Everything in your life that has been bad or that is a weakness or that has been a hurt, we view those and we hold tight to them as ours and our pain and our sacrifice and our, and our pushing through. But what you need to understand and how you have to start to view it is, is not as though it's yours, but as though it's, a, it's God's and it's his opportunity to show off through you. Your entire life should be an opportunity for God to show off. In my weakness, I am the most powerful. In the things I cannot do but accomplish, God was shown most. In the times where I thought I couldn't go any farther, but I kept pressing forward, that is where God has shown the biggest and the most grace on us, and then it shines through us. Your whole life is this massive canvas for God to paint his beautiful picture. The problem with that is a lot of times we view it like the bottom of an oriental rug. A real one, not like a fake one you get at Walmart. You know, if you've ever seen the bottom of it, there's strings hanging everywhere, and it's just a mess. You can't tell what's happening. And that's what we see when we look up at our life is this huge mess of strings and where they've stitched it. And, but when you put it down and you look at it from the flip side, it's this beautiful design. And that's what your life should be. You're not always going to understand. Sometimes you're going to wonder, why is that there? Why does it look so nasty? But on the other side, God is creating his beautiful picture of your life to give him glory. When you say, take my life and let it be all for you, do you mean that? Do you go at your life every day saying, God, use me today, even though it might hurt me. Let your name come through. Let your name be shown great. Let your name be what people see in me today. Keep creating in me your beautiful picture and take every opportunity to show off how big and how powerful you are in my life. That's not always easy and that's not always going to be fun. But when God is not safe, life is going to be hard sometimes I'll read you guys one more thing how common is this story i've met so many people who have never really been excuse me have who were never really blessed until they strove against god were wounded were given a new identity and a haunting question and who discovered in the most unlikely place the most unexpected face the face of god these are the people who never really danced until they limped they are never Whose self, excuse me, they are people whose self-reliance has been shattered, who have, been re, who have wrestled with the man and who have found him both brisk and embracing, wounding and blessing, and always stronger than they are. 
not safe, but good. God won't always be safe. He'll ask you to do things you don't know, you don't think you can do. He'll ask you to go places you don't think you can go. He'll take you through things you don't think you can make it through the other side. You will experience loss. You will experience hurt. You will at some point go through those times where you feel like you have the weight of the world on you and you cannot possibly take another step. Keep in your mind that God takes great pleasure in you and that he is not safe but good. If God was safe, he would not have sent his son to die for you. If God was safe, he would not have created you. If God was safe, then this would be all there is to our Christian faith, showing up in our big box and going on throughout the rest of our week. But God is not safe. He created you. He loves you. Verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work according to his plan. God is so good and he is so wonderful that all the hurts and the pains that I've caused people, all the bad decisions that I've made, all the ways that I've shown that I do not deserve to be in the kingdom, he not only forgives me for those, but he takes those and he makes them work for his glory. He is so good and he is so wonderful that as we're under that oriental rug and he's making that happen and we don't understand and there's different phases of life and different times in our life and there's hurts and there's pains and there's seasons of wonderful and and just being happy and things are going great. He takes all of those and he makes them work for the good of his name because our God isn't safe, but he is a mighty, mighty dangerous God who loves you enough to save you. And loves you enough to take all the nastiness and work it out so that you can bring him glory. In your weakness, he is most powerful. In your hurt, he is the great healer. And in your life, he should shine through. Hebrew word for worship is avadah. Probably not saying that right. I got a GED. The Avadah. And when translated roughly back, that means to work. Coming in here and worshiping is an amazing thing. And I love coming into this environment every week. I look forward to it. But this is our expression of what God has done through our week. How we worship God is with our life. Our entire life is to be a sacrifice and an offering to God. And it's, he's going to take all the bad stuff and he's going to make it work for his glory. But you have to let go of all the bad stuff. You have to be determined that you don't serve a safe God, but you serve a mighty one. God is not safe, but he is good. He is wonderful and he loves us beyond any words I could ever possibly tell you about. And until you start to view him as unsafe, you'll stay in that little box with him that you've put him in. The very mention of a box limits God. There is no box. There's no box to think outside of. There's just a box. I mean, excuse me. There's just God and his glory. Let's pray. Father, Father, there's times in our life where 
we just don't know what to say. We just don't have any good words. We don't have a, a problem and a solution. We just know that you love us. We know that your grace screams out, keep going, keep going. I am good. I am good. I am good. We know, Father, that you created us for your own good pleasure. Father, as people leave this place today, let that sit with them for the next few weeks and the rest of their life, that you are such an amazing God, that you love us so much that you take pleasure in us and that you work out all our stuff for your good. Father, we know that you are great and mighty. Father, but let us begin to practice that you are great and mighty. Let us not to live as though you never got out of the tomb. Father, let us to stay focused on how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are, and how much you love us, Father, that we are absolutely the apple of your eye. You cherish us, you love us, and not because you have to, but simply because you wanted to, Father. Father, you are great and mighty. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do through these people in your name. I thank you in advance for the way you're going to shake them up and you're going to take all their stuff and work it out for your good. Father, only you could do that. Only you can be big enough to take all the bad of this world and make it work for your good. Father, we love you. Bless us as we go the rest of our week. It's your name I pray.